people that, unlike many who are trying to, you know, say it's not a trinity, there's even those that deny the whole doctrine saying it was made up. And, you know, those are forms like, the main one is either some form of modalism, like, you know, God has just, a, it's the one God, but he's appeared in three different forms. You know, the, the Father or the Son or the Spirit. But that's not what the Trinity teaches, right? God is one in essence, three in person, right? All equal in power and glory. Amen? That's, and that's what the Bible teaches. And we look at it, you know, there's, there's various heresies that have come through, but instead of, you know, explaining to you what they all are, it's better to first know what the Bible does teach. And I just say that because it's so interesting that, a little side note, the Secret Service agents, when the ones that are used to, you know, go out and find people who, you know, uh, create fake money, right? They don't have them study fakes. They have them spend endless hours looking at, feeling, touching real money. Because the, mo the more closely you're acquainted with what the real is, the easier and easier it is to identify the fake, no matter how close to the real it is which is real discernment. Discernment is not the ability to tell easy truth from error. Real discernment and real good, solid discernment understanding comes from seeing where there's some error, but they've used a little bit of truth in it, and that gives it its uh, credibility, and then they weave into us that way, and then the air they bring in just brings a bunch of confusion. And then that leads to worse and worse things. But we, sh we have looked at and seen that from the very beginning, God has introduced himself and shown himself unmistakably, right, to be more than one person in the Godhead. And when we look at that from the very beginning, Genesis 1, let us make man in our image, right? And then go on, right? Let us go down, and so on and so on throughout Genesis. And the Lord rained down from the Lord in heaven, fire and brimstone. And so on, you look, you look, just look through that. We looked at several passages in the Old Testament which clearly show a plurality. And then we looked at some that even indicated that that plurality was three, but definitely two, but three. And then we finished off last week. We talked about in the New Testament, we see through the, the Trinitarian formula for baptism, how it clearly shows that there's three and talked about that where the oneness people, which say, right, that's modalism, that, you know, that, you know, God just appears in different forms. Well, they'll say, well, in the name of, Right, baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Let's say, see, those three are one. Right, they're just the same thing. Or they would have said, baptized in the names of. When actually, when you understand language, and you understand the Greek, you understand when it says, baptized in the name of, right, that's a definite article. 
So you can literally read that, baptized in the name of the Father, and in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Ghost, our Holy Spirit. All right, so we see that. It is always a definite article, meaning a distinction of persons, unless otherwise explicitly stated. That's an absolute rule of Greek grammar. Okay, and I said before, God knows grammar. But we looked at several other places, too, where it clearly showed, you know, in the benediction at the end of 2 Corinthians, if you recall, right, where it says, you know, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you. All right, again, differentiating, naming three. Right? And then, of course, talked about 1 John 5, 7, how even though... Many now will say that wasn't the word of God. We talked about that definitely shows just by grammar and context that, that it is. And it's not even used to teach the Trinity. It was written to help us to teach and confirm that Jesus is the Son of God. And actually, that's where I like to pick back up and start now as I was saying it's good for us to understand the Trinity because like as as our brother James White likes to say and he wrote a book called The Forgotten Trinity right a lot of us have trouble can we really understand the Trinity I mean just from what the Bible says or is it so kind of confusing to us the better we understand it right then the harder it is for others to come along and we, we become, you know, confused. You know, confused or misled into some of the verses they rip out of context or you want to take a certain certain verses and read them by themselves. What I mean by that is they read a scripture or two and then try to explain it and defend their bad doctrine, but they take it, they don't use the rest of the Bible and they want you to forget the vast vast amounts of scripture which clearly goes against what they're teaching you right if you're in doubt about a certain particular verse one you can't you need to read it in context two you never divorce it from the rest of scriptural teaching right because the bible never will ever contradict itself but with with that said again i said my main goal right now is to teach the primary importance of the trinity it helps us understand the nature of god the nature that he's always existed in three persons one essence and that helps us to understand they've always they're all eternal right they're all powerful they're all perfect in love they've all had perfect communion and it takes away this understanding where a lot of preacher get this idea like god created us so he could he needed, he wanted someone to communicate with. He needed somebody. He didn't need anything. The Godhead has always existed. And they created everything else. Right? The Godhead did. But focusing on the first and primary thing is they were in 1 John. All of 1 John is focusing this fact that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, God in the flesh. Right? And that, that is its primary thing. Us understanding is, if we have a faulty understanding of the Trinity, we'll have a faulty understanding of the deity of Christ. 
Because we understand the full deity of Christ, right? If to understand that, we have to understand that they are distinct, right? On the cross, the Father poured out his wrath upon his Son, not upon himself, not upon some created created being. But God the Father poured out the wrath, his wrath, upon God the Son. Right? And it was perfect. Right? Those three hours he spent on the cross, right? After that was done, he said, it is finished. He has suffered for the sins of all those that will believe in him. Right? And we have eternal life. But it's important to understand that. Right? The more fully we understand the absolute fullness of the Lord Jesus Christ's deity, right? Then we understand there's a differentiate between Him and the Father, where they're the same, but they're still both fully God and so is the Holy Spirit. But I wanted to focus on, right, us learning the absolute, the absolute doctrine, and the foundation and bedrock of our faith that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the Living God, God in the flesh. Amen. With that, before we start, I went through all of that. Does anyone have any questions or comments? Well, great, great. Okay, go to 1 John 5, and I want to say this before I just start reading. Uh, see, a lot of people who, who don't understand this need to realize that it is believed, according to church history, that John wrote, 1 John, shortly after writing the Gospel of John. It was the last Gospel written. It was the last books to be written. Right? 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and then Revelation. Right? Those four. 1st, the Gospel of John. 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. Revelation. So the Gospel of John was written between 80, 80 to 90 A.D. And 1st John was written shortly after that. Right around the same time. Now, now put in the time frame, right, that John had been teaching throughout the churches and these people that he wrote to, right? Well, in the gospel, but also in particularly the first John, not every one of them, but some of them, 50 odd years. 50 odd years. They knew the man's verbiage. They could recognize that it was John, right? But we must understand something. First, uh, in 1 John 5, and it wants us to see how, how important this doctrine is, but understanding when we understand the Trinitarian nature of God, that first and foremost we understand that Jesus is the unique God the Son, right? The God in the flesh. But let's start reading in 1 John 5, verse 1. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Everyone that loveth him that begot, loveth him also that is begotten of him. You know, it just means, right, if we say, if we love God, then we love the other brethren. Amen. Love the other children of God. He dropped down to verse 4. For whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. And what is that faith? Verse 5. Who is he that overcomes the world? But he that believes that Jesus is the Son of God. 
It's going to say this. It doesn't say, well, he who, he, who, uh, he who lives a good life, right? He who has believed something about Jesus, right? That he, right? No. He who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Not just natural confession. We're not talking about you went up, someone went up, and it sometimes said, okay, repeat after me, oh, Lord, I believe you. And, but you don't understand him. But you have a unique saving relationship with God that begins with you believe, as he said, and you don't have to turn there, but you want to write it down, John 8, 24. Jesus himself said, if you do not believe that I am, and you'll see the he written in little, Written, written in little, written in there in the King James, if you have a good one. Because originally, the original verbiage was, if you do not believe that I am, you will die in your sins. But I am he. Who? The Christ. The Son of the living God. And he's absolute. That he's not just a good prophet. He wasn't a good man. He was a little, he was created by God. He's a little God. He's anything about that. But that he is fully God. And that he died for our sins. He died for our sins, yes, but that he was and is fully God. That's important. Right? He that believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Verse 6, this is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. And then it repeats again pretty much verse 6, right? There are three that bear witness in earth. Okay. Drop down to verse 10. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. What witness? In verse 9, right? What God had testified of his Son, that this is the Christ. Remember, because that's what these three, Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, are agreeing to and giving record of, that Jesus is the Christ. Right? The unique, verse 5, Son of God. Verse 10, right? He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. And believe me, there is a reason that I'm, at, that I'm reading all of this, right? Now, with that, turn to verse, to chapter 1, right? Now, remember, we just read that, Right, this is the record that Jesus is the Son, right? And that believe in him, you have life in his name. He's given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that has a Son has life. Okay, 1 John chapter 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled, of the word of life. For the life was manifested and we have seen it and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. So who's, who is the eternal life that was manifested to us? 
right? He's not saying that believing on Jesus, you have eternal life. That's true. But he's literally saying Jesus is eternal life, right? Which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. And who's the word? Remember, this is the same man who wrote the gospel just a few years prior to this, right? In, in John 1, 1, right? In the beginning was, was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. Amen? Goes on to verse 3. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. I read that, so if you can see, he's talking about, right, that Jesus is the life. That's his whole point of 1 John 5, and even in verse 7, what they're testifying to. And verses 6 and 8, what the Spirit, the water, and the blood are agreeing to, right? That the overwhelming witness of God throughout Scripture and the heart of the gospel message is this, that Jesus is God in the flesh. He is fully God in the flesh. And that God himself took on the wrath of God, right, and suffered for sin in our place and paid the full penalty, right? It is finished, amen? But it's important to understand that, right? When we, The more we understand that, we, under, we better understand everything God has done for us, amen? Right? He doesn't create it being God in the eternity, in, in all eternity, before the foundation of the world, right? God set out this plan. And the godly counsel, the counsel of the God, between God, Son, God, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, was right, that sin had to be had to be paid for, didn't even by physical death. It meant by, you know, having the wrath of God put upon you, right? Which would destroy man, right? Only a unique man, a perfect man, and also God Himself could take the wrath of God. You understand the, the just the importance of that doctrine. Or if you go to Isaiah fifty three, you don't have to turn it right now, but keep in mind when it said. It now the King James it says right it right he bruised him, you know a lot of the new translations say he crushed him God the Father crushed God the Son, he said he put him to grief, in that grief that word whether you use it grief, grieve, grievous, right is only used a few times in Scripture and it always denotes putting to severe pain and suffering. It's not talking there about what Jesus suffered at the hands of man upon the cross. It's talking about the wrath, God's wrath that he took upon himself upon that cross. And that's God who did that. But, you know, to keep in mind that, you know, that anything... As I said before, to say that Jesus was uh, some created being, as many will say today, and it's been a heresy throughout the church age, age, right? That diminishes from the glory of God. It diminishes from the gospel. It diminishes from the atonement. 
God himself atoned for our sins. The God-man did. But I read that, remember, the same person who wrote 1 John wrote the gospel according to John. Keep in mind, keep on that word, word and life. If you turn to the gospel according the gospel of John in chapter 1, right? And this is real familiar to us, especially the first, you know, first verse. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Can't get much clearer than that. You know, they can say what they want, but first of all, they're dividing the two. They're dividing the two, right? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And then this same Word, which always was with God, from the very beginning, and was God, and is God, all things were made by him, the word, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. See that? You remember, if you turn back real quick to 1 John 5, right? Verse 11. And this is the record that God has given to us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and they may believe in the name of the Son of God. Then you go on through there, and we'll read verse 20 at the end of 1 John 5. And we know that the Son of God has come and hath given us an understanding that we may know him that is true and we are in him that is true even in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. And to some that might be a little confusing, some will say, well, is he talking about the Father there or the Son? Well, it's obviously from context and the rules of grammar talking about Jesus, right, is the true God in eternal life. Remember, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. It's so important to understand the Trinity, because without understanding the Trinity, you don't fully appreciate and understand the full deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the more we understand that, the more we can be defend, defend ourselves, defend our faith to others, but also build ourselves up and be ready, right, for the errors, all the errors that are out there that try to diminish just who our Lord is, right? That he is God, right? Fully equal with the Father, but that God died, died for us. God took on the wrath of God the Father. I mean... It's really, it's absolutely astonishing. And the more as I sit up here and talk, I understand why Mike says it so often. I don't understand why more people don't see it. It's so amazing. God, instead of just, I've had it with you. The Son agreed with the Father. Okay. Sin needs to be answered with wrath. I'll take it. Really thing. But I want us to understand, you know, when, when people try to 
you know, come against and we talk with the deity of Christ, they try to separate Scripture from Scripture. Can't help this. The reason I was reading First John there, several parts of it, and the Gospel of John, you need to realize they're written within a few years of one another. The same man wrote them. And it helps us to understand even better what he's saying when we go compare the two. You know, that Jesus himself, it's not that once we be you believe in him, right, that he gives us eternal life. Yeah, we have eternal life because now we're with him forever. He is life. That's why it says if you do not have the Son, you do not have life. There is no other way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Right? But going again with the Trinity, right, understanding first, we'll look at that once we're through this. I just want us to, you know, be, be more ready to answer Right, those that would come against. And trust me, if you've ever been along long enough, you'll find people who do, or you'll find people like I was showing you that story. Someone sat down a little while back with Shar at this place called the Dream Center and started talking about God and Jesus Christ. And she had it kept correcting her. Well, the Bible says, the Bible says, the Bible says, and that should be our answer for everything. The Bible says. Because the Bible will. He, he's, he's declared to us everything that he's chosen to declare for us, and it says it's everything we need, and it completes us. And we'll be complete our understanding and able to do all the work of God that he gives us to do. Through it. Okay, with that, I want to go on saying how important that is that the foundation stone of our faith, right, is, right, that and I understand this. I'm not saying this is the very first thing you believe. I'm not saying uh, believing this and this uh, alone is salvation. Right? How, he, how he regenerates us and brings that to us. And I'm talking about the foundation of ours. Because remember, when Jesus asked them, who do you say that I am? We have come to know and believe that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. He said that God the Father is the only one who could give them that revelation. And upon this rock, well, I build my church. And he wasn't talking about building it on Peter. He's talking about building on that confession. Because remember, 1 John 5, that's what it's all about. Actually, all of 1 John, he starts it out right in the beginning of 1 John 1. Right? He's talking about, right, our fellowship is with his son, the father and the son. Right? And that by right, we write these things so your joy will be full. He finishes up in 1 John 5 telling us that Jesus, the word is life. And that life is the true God. And that believing on him, we can. We can be fully assured that we have eternal life. Right? We're forgiven of our sins. Right? We're cleansed. We're justified. We're sanctified in Christ. All those things. But it all begins, right, believing. Believing that Jesus is God manifested in the flesh. The very word of God. God in the flesh. The unique Son of God. And as into that, if you see, that was John's big point, even right in the whole Gospel of John. He talked about that a lot. If you turn to uh, John chapter 1, we're just going to look at some of these <clears throat> and see if you see a, a theme, you know, going along here when you read throughout John, you know, what, what the Holy Ghost right, who, who's the author of Scripture, who gave to John, right, and what to write and what to record, you know, because we find unique things in some of the gospel, and none of them contradict, we just find, you know, some unique 
different things. It was amazing. John loved talking about Jesus being the Word, but he also constantly referred to him, and we referred throughout John as Jesus being the Son of God, right? And the great I am. <laughs> the I am. Okay, first in uh, John 1, and I just read 1 through 4, right? We know that Jesus is the Word, and that he is life, right? And that he is light. Okay, but drop. go to verse 14, and the Word, right, who is God, amen, verse 1, was made flesh. So God was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Go to verse 34. And, and this is, okay, this is John opening up with testifying, Jesus is the Word, Jesus is God, right? He has life in himself, in verse 14, and God was made flesh and dwelt among us, right? And we beheld his glory. Okay, so John starts it out recording that. Then he starts to record things that the Lord gave him. Okay, so now John the Baptist, right? Different John, in verse 34. And I saw, and bear record, that this is the Son of God. And when these people said Son of God, remember, they weren't thinking he's a separate created being, Right? He's a little less than God the Father. No. That he was an exact, right, equal to God, that he was God in the flesh. That's what he's saying there in my record that this is the Son of God. Okay. Uh, go on to verse 49. And this is when Nathaniel says it in verse 49. Nathaniel answering to Jesus and saith unto him, Rabbi. Thou art the Son of God. Thou art the King of Israel. Now they knew Scripture. And we'll look at some of those, but just a quick reminder. We know that they understood that the Son of God, right? For instance, when David talked about the Son of God, there were those that understood, right? He, he was saying, right, you know, the Lord said to my Lord, right, amen. But we also called him the King of Israel. Who's the King of Israel? Right? Jehovah, God. They understood that God was the king of Israel. He just called Jesus God. He just called Jesus God. Okay, let's go on. There's other ones in that. I want to, you know, this isn't exhausting. I encourage you to study it on yourself, but I think this will be very sufficient. Go on to chapter 6. In verse 69. Well, and this is it, remember, after the great discourse, and he, and he told them, you know, if you've been in this church for any length of time, you've, you've heard John 6 discussed every which way, upside and down, concerning, you know, election, and that, you know, you believe if, you know, God has chosen you. But there's more than that here. But also, understand this, verse 68, well, verse... 66, right after he said unto him, No one can come to me unless it's given unto my father. From that time, many of the disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will you also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God. 
needs to be a little bit of theme going on here. Now, remember what, what they're saying here, and I'll skip over it, but read John also, because throughout it, all the great I am statements are in there. Very important. Because that always brought the Jews back. Remember when he said that in John 8, 24, if you do not believe that I am he, it literally what I originally read was, if you do not believe I am, you will die in your sins. And after he was done saying that, they wanted to stone him. Why? Well, he was saying he was God. They got it. They got it. They got it right because that's the same way he introduced himself. He told Moses to introduce himself to the sons of Israel, right? Okay. Uh, yes. Yep. Yep. Yeah. 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 And what, what, I'm, what I'm doing is, I know a lot of this, you know, we, we know these verses, we hear them, but one thing I want to do, do we always tie them together? Right? That's what it's called about systematic theology. There's another reason why it's so healthy, too. Well, if we understand that the Son of God is unique from God the Father, see, that helps build our Trinitarian understanding. Because then they can't all be the same. We can see directly from these verses in several places in the Scripture, there's definitely, right, God the Father and God the Son. And hence, we'll look at that later, once we're done looking at God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is also fully God. Right? But that's what the Bible teaches us, right? It's one God, and we went over that, remember? From uh, Deuteronomy 6. Or even that word one they use of God is, means unity. They didn't use the word that means singular. It all is of God. Right? It's just amazing, a plurality. But understand this because it's also the, the bedrock of our faith. Right? Go to John chapter 9, starting in 35. And this is, right, he had, healed, he had healed the blind man. And now he's been cast out. Verse 35, Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And when he had found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. Now I want to stop for one second and mention something that it just grates me, and I sometimes wonder, you know, that a lot of people are duped into things because they don't go ahead and just keep reading, right? Some people will stop here and say, see, see he never claimed to be God. <laughs> yeah, and trust me, like the word of what I, we just talked about in 824, he was claiming he was I am. But now you notice right there, yes, he does say he's son of God. But we see that even throughout John, especially when you compare John to 1 John, you see, when he was talking about the Son of God, he was talking about the Word. He was talking about the Word was made flesh. And who was the Word? God. So when the Word was made flesh, God was made flesh. And it's the same one he describes as saying this is the Son of God. So henceforth, the Son of, when someone says Son of God, they're saying he's God. Right? God the Son, but fully God. Right? Equal. Okay. But 
there's another thing in here too, verse 38. And he said, right, the man healed, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Now this was a Jew. And God does not give his glory unto another. And it's a violation of the commandments to worship anyone but the one true living God, the Lord, the King of Israel. Jesus didn't stop him. Henceforth, no problem. Jesus wasn't a good man. Jesus wasn't a lesser created being. He wasn't just a prophet. He was God and he accepted worship as God. So <laughs> he was either what he was said or he was a big fraud. We know he wasn't, amen, but I just wanted to point that out. Go on to verse 10, chapter 10, excuse me. And I, love, I love this one. Chapter 10, verse 36, Jesus speaking. Say ye of him whom the Father has sanctified, he's speaking of himself, and sent into the world, thou blasphemest, because I said, I am the Son of God. So you know, already we have the, you know, the Apostle John, right, John the Baptist, Nathaniel, and Jesus himself, right, saying, right, he's the Son of God. Amen? Okay, I just want to point that out, that's saying yes, Jesus, and remember, you go back from the beginning, right, this Son of God, right, was the Word manifested, and we know from John 1, 1, the Word was God, and is God, the Word is God, amen. Uh, go on to chapter 11, I love this, and you know, we, we talk about this, and it's amazing, you hear a lot of uh, sermons nowadays, that they'll even talk a little of this verse, and that, oh, see, see, God loves so much, oh, he, he loved Lazarus so much, and uh, those are kind of nice and pithy, I guess, but they don't really, they don't really ever delve in to the deep doctrinal truths that are in this. Okay, first, chapter 11, verse 4, right, he's just been informed that Lazarus is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. So who's he saying? And he already said, He's the Son of God, right? And he accepted worship. So, right? He's just saying that right there. A lot of people glass right over that. But go on to verse 25. Is speaking to Martha, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life, right? And in the word was life, in God was life, the Son of God was life, right? It's just so much, once we understand, right, the beginning and the full context of everything becomes so much clearer. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? She saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. Now we have Martha declaring it. It seems the Holy Ghost gave to John, you know, time and time and time again, to declare, and there's other places too, that Jesus is the unique Son of God, that he is God in the flesh. But uh, 
Let's go on. The reason I wanted to write this, go on to chapter 20. <clears throat> and in chapter 20, and I, I will admit before reading this that uh, this passage has deep meaning to me because it's the, the moment I got it finally after months, you know, when the Lord was working, I mean, when I, when I got it and understood, Jesus is God, right? But remember, Jesus had risen from the dead and appeared before the disciples, except Thomas wasn't there. Thomas is back now. The disciples tell him that he appeared. Remember, and he, he said, you know, you know, unless, you know, unless I see him and I reach my hands into, you know, we know the story. Verse 27 Right now, Jesus appears again when Thomas is there. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. You know what I'm saying? He's a Jew. Pagans have all kinds of gods. It doesn't matter to them, right? And God makes fun of them throughout the throughout the Old Testament, right? These people, you know, out of the same piece of out of the same piece of wood, they'll build an altar and build some image and worship it, and then the rest of it that they cook a meal over, right? It's just how ridiculous it is, you know. People will say, "Oh, I believe God. I believe in our God. I believe in it." You must believe in the one true living God, and you must believe in the Son of God, God in the flesh. You must, right? But my Lord and my God, Jesus didn't say, hey, what are you doing? Right? We got here money. He wasn't an angel. Because every time we see in Scripture when an angel was speaking, when it was an angel, they said, no, no, I am a fellow servant. Worship God. No. Thomas' declaration right here was true. And he was right. And that's why he declared, called him Lord and God. Right? But here's the whole reason for John writing the Gospel of John. Verse 3, he goes on, right? And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. I mean, how about this? Right? He rose from the dead, he appeared before them. Right? Thomas gives a great declaration, and along throughout all of John, right? Just declaring, I am, right? The word is manifest in the flesh. I am the unique. I am God in the flesh, the Son of God. Verse 31. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. Of course, not that might, that, you know, maybe you will, and that, that's it's a surety, right? You will have life in his name. Amen. And wanted to, you know, go through all that to see that when people try to take those scriptures, First John five seven, they say it's not the word of God. But keep in mind, it was originally written to help teach, as he was in First John five, that we are confident and believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the Living God, that He died for our sins, right? Was dead. He rose again from the dead. Right? He's alive now. 
It's guaranteed never to leave us nor forsake us. Right? We have eternal life now. We have believed. And if you haven't, once you do, you will. Right? And we're eternally secure in and by and through him. Right? And that was that was the reason, the main reason he wrote John. That's the whole reason for the gospel, right? Because once we understand that, right, the surety of it, you know, everywhere else is surety of our salvation. But well, begins with once we understand that Jesus is God in the flesh, God the Son lived that perfect life, but laid down that life, and he took on the wrath of God in our place. And that's why after it was over, he said, it is finished. The sacrifice has been paid. The atonement has been, has been accomplished. And now all who believe are safe and secure in him forever. We're running out of time. I have so much, but everyone wants... What I want to talk about next week and wrap this up and that Jesus is the unique Son of God, then we'll get in and talk with the Holy Spirit, is we're going to look at Hebrews, which also goes to great pains in chapter 1 because they were trying to teach the doctrine at that time that Jesus was just like the highest of angels. And they, and they declare, using the Old Testament, that no, no, he's God. He's God, right? God the Son. With that, does anyone have any last questions or comments? Well, okay. Uh, Mike, would you please close us in a word of prayer? Thank <laughs> you.